GM, GM, welcome to another episode of Web3 Academy, your one trusted source to capitalize on the next big phase of the internet. Don't get caught in the hype cycle. I'm Jay Bird, joined by my co-host Kyle Reedhead, and we're carving a path for doers to confidently build and invest in Web3. Kai, what's going on, brother? Welcome to another episode. I'm excited to be here. It's a bit hot. Our power's out, but thankfully we still have internet. But that's why I'm in a tank top. If anyone's looking at me, this isn't what I would normally like to be wearing on a uh, podcast, but it's hot and I have no AC. So got to let the air flow, you know? You might not have internet, but you've got a beautiful background. You got a beach outside your door. I shouldn't say you know it. You have internet. You might not have power. You know, it's, it's yeah. the give and take of being in Nicaragua, right? I'll take nature any day. Nature in good ways. I'll take that any day. Oh, I love it. All right, so today we're talking about should you start a business by launching a token? And this question came up last week in the roll-up when we talked about three new projects that all are starting a business by launching a token. First, we talked about Pepe. I mean, we all know what's going on with Pepe. just seems to be going to the moon, but a new meme coin. We talked about LimeWire, which is basically rebooted themselves as a Web3 company and are launching a token actually next week. And then we talked about Smurfs, which somebody bought the IP rights to Smurfs, the old TV cartoon, and they launched an NFT collection in order to raise capital to start their business. So we've seen this, these three examples are not the only examples. We've seen numerous examples of this over the past few years. And it got Kyle and I thinking, is this a good idea? Is this the right way to raise capital for your business? So we're going to debate exactly that today. We're going to discuss if you should launch a token. If you are going to launch a token, should it be an NFT or should it be a fungible token? We're also going to look at the investor perspective. If you're an investor, should you be investing in these businesses that are starting by launching a token, which we're seeing happen a ton right now? And we have some time at the end. We might even get into the question of if we look into the future decades from now, will every business have a token? Something Kyle and I have been thinking about and wondering where that will go. We got a great show today. We're going to discuss all of this. Before we jump in, we just need to take a minute to hear from our sponsors. The future of social media is here, and that future lives in Web3 on top of Lens Protocol. Web2 social platforms are broken and ripe for disruption. You see, the epicenter of social media is the creators, and yet they are the most neglected. Web2 platforms like Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram are all essentially robbing creators of their worth. Creators are a new type of entrepreneur, forming new types of businesses. Yet with Web2 platforms, creators don't own their content or their profiles, and that's their product and business. Instead, they are tied to the platforms they choose to create on. Well, just like how crypto is freeing us from banks, Web3 is freeing us from these centralized platforms. On Lens Protocol, creators own their content, own their profile, and even their social graph and followers in the form of NFTs. This allows you to move freely from one social application to another with your content, profile, and followers moving along with you. Lens Protocol enables self-sovereignty for your social graph and interoperability across the internet. At Web3 Academy, we believe this is the future of social, and that's why we partner with Lens to ensure that the path of social media is heading in the right direction. Visit lens.xyz to learn more today. What if I told you that industry pioneers from flagship Web3 brands such as Consensus, Polygon, Binance, Unstoppable Domains, Ledger, and Uniswap will all meet up in one place 
this summer. You don't want to miss this. I'm talking about the epic Web3 conference taking place in beautiful Lisbon on the 9th of June with over 20 curated talks, speed consultations with Web3 experts, networking sessions with investors, and even the opportunity to raise funds. This conference has it all and you'll get the tools you need to succeed in this industry. Plus, we at Web3 Academy will attend and host a community meetup with you and the other smart community before the main event. So come along, meet us, network, and start building alongside leading Web3 innovators. We can't wait to meet you. Remember, Lisbon, Portugal, 9th of June. We've got a 15% discount for you, but ticket prices go up every few days. So get your tickets today by using the link in the show notes. Enter the promo code Web3Academy15 to secure your spot. Or if you become a pro member, you can get an even bigger discount. So go pro today, and we'll see you in Lisbon, Portugal, on the 9th of June at the Epic Web3 Conference. All right, welcome back. Kai, I'm going to start by asking you the simple question. Is it a good idea to start a business by launching a token? I think the answer is it depends. It depends on if you need funding or not. There's a few ways you can look at it. One, there's lots of different use cases of why you would use a token, right? I think most in the last few years are around funding. And so if you need funding for your business, then sure, it can be a great way to do that. It's a lot less friction than going the old school route of getting incorporated in you know whatever country you're in and then getting a bank account and you have to go through accredited investors and all this kind of stuff. Like It's a hassle, especially if you're in the US. And then you also can't, it's very difficult to get funding globally, right? And so if you have a community already or you have a following on whatever social platform, it makes it much easier to get funding if you do it via the blockchain, via token, rather than the kind of traditional way. So like, if you need funding, sure, it can be a great idea. As an entrepreneur myself, like my advice or just kind of my motto is like, I do everything I possibly can to not require funding. The last thing I want to do when I'm starting a business is have to answer to someone, right? The whole purpose of me starting a business is so I can go at the pace I want. I can live the life that I want. I can make the decisions that I want and I can build the business that I want, right? Yet, if you want to start a business from scratch and you're going to do that via getting funding and now you have to answer to people, like it's already stressful enough to run a business. Now I got to answer to, you know, VCs or, or whatever. Like to me, that doesn't interest me, but also it depends on the type of business. Like, okay, you're starting a media company where it's like a newsletter and a podcast. Hell no, you don't need any funding. It would be ridiculous and just stupid for you to try to get funding, whether it's traditional or with a token. It doesn't matter your means of getting the funding. It makes zero sense. You should be doing everything you can to like make your business, your product, whatever, profitable before you even need to even think about funding, right? Now, if you're starting like a tech platform and you want to go up against, I don't know, Instagram or TikTok, you want to build the next social media platform, okay, you probably need some funding. Sure, that type of business makes sense. But if it's a creator business, if it's something that doesn't need funding, absolutely, I would not start with a token at all. I would focus on the business and building something of value. Then later, I would use the token maybe for funding, but probably more for growth. Kind of like what you saw with like the Arbitrums and the Optimisms where they already had a product, it had utility, and now they're using it as like a retention tool to keep people around, to help fund their community, to continue to build. So like, you got to think of these tokens as something more than just funding and like only get funding if you actually really need funding. What are you saying? Yeah, you bring up a, a bunch of good points there. I think the first point you bring up is very simple, which is if you are starting a business where you can make revenue, 
on your own, then I don't raise capital. Why would you, right? right? If you launch a business and you raise capital in the beginning, and let's be clear, when I say raise capital, I'm saying whether it be a token sale, like a fungible token, whether it be an NFT, or whether it be more traditional routes, going to a bank or going to friends and family or going to a VC, like there's many different ways. So if you can make revenue, don't raise capital in the beginning. Make revenue on your own, prove product market fit, prove that you actually have a business that could do something, not just a business plan written down. You've created a product, the customers care about it, and then decide, okay, whether or not you should raise capital based upon your growth objectives, as you just said, Kai, all based upon growth. If you want to scale, then capital is a great thing to do because it can lead you to scaling at a much faster rate because all of a sudden you have a huge cash influction and you can hire people and you can spend more money and all of that. So I think I agree with your your answer. It depends. That leads us to the question of like, it depends on what? So the first thing we're saying is it depends on whether or not you have revenue, right? If you have revenue, you don't need to raise capital. If you don't have revenue, uh, then maybe you do. You could have revenue and still want to scale faster or still right. need to hire more or do yep. build another product or whatever. So like, it's just, if you need more capital, is that mm -hmm. the answer of what you're trying to say? If revenue or not, if you need more and that makes sense for your business at that moment, it's a good opportunity because you know, you're in a secular trend of something and you can capitalize on that opportunity right now. If you get a bunch of capital, you scale and you launch and you beat competitors or whatever. Okay. It makes sense. Right. But if it's just a business that's just like slowly adopting and growing, like whether you're making or not, you probably don't need it unless you're running out of money for some reason. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then let's assume that you want to raise capital. As you said, there's a reason why you want to raise capital. Okay. Let's talk about the different ways to raise capital. Cause the real question that we're diving into is, is this new way of raising capital, this web three way of raising capital with a community is this a new playbook that mm. entrepreneurs and founders should be seriously looking into? Or is it just a fad and a trend? Because basically everybody, if you drop an NFT, you're going to get a lot of attraction from the Web3 world. There's a lot of DGENs trading right now. Or if you drop a token and you have a good meme, you're going to get a lot of energy. You know, Is this a fad or is this the start of a new playbook? It's definitely not a fad. It's a 100x better experience to fund via a token than fund in the traditional way, right? There's no friction. There's no cost. It takes one second. <laughs> if I was ever to raise, I would never do it the traditional way. Now I'm an internet native. I get the stuff that makes sense to me. Like That's why I would do it in the future. And I don't know how long that takes. There's no way anyone ever does the old school way in the future, right? Why would you go and I don't even know how you would do it now. Like go you got to open up a bank and then like, you got to get incorporated and like, you got to get the lawyers to get your shares and blah, blah, blah. Like, it's insane that we even do that when I can go and click a button right now on one platform and boom, I have it all. So like for sure in the future, at some point it goes away. Now, when that happens, I don't know, because we also have all the issues with the SEC and regulations and like how that all works. And so it's probably going to be a pain for a while, but if you don't care about that, I guess, then I don't see why you would ever go it the old school way again. If you do it in the US. Well, I guess the other thing is if you're raising capital and you want like legit VCs, they probably aren't going to buy your token, but they yep. will do it if you do it the legit way. So I guess if yes. you want to raise capital to from like, you know, those who are also going to give you the knowledge and, and resources, that's when you might go the traditional way, I guess. 
Eventually, though, I think it all goes on chain. That brings up a really good point is, okay, what's the difference? So you have a business, you're ready to scale at whatever phase you're at, you need capital, okay? Let's talk about the difference between going the token route versus going the traditional route, because there is a lot of differences, right? Not just the friction. Like, yes, I understand there's the friction difference, but there's also differences in terms of who your investors are. That's the probably the biggest difference, right? You go the VC route or the more traditional route, your investors, either they're your friends and family, right? Yeah. Or they're some form of a VC or private equity or some fund that puts money into new startups. If you go the token route, they're internet strangers, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, you can do closed capital raises with tokens as well. Yeah. I just don't know that you'll get all the legit VC. So you could do either way. You could do it privately. You can do it publicly. It's not always going to be internet strangers, but you're right. It's definitely a different subset of people that you'll get that will invest if it's on-chain versus not. The other thing I would say and this is more on the, I guess, technical side and like the use case side is when I think of a token to raise capital that's on-chain versus not, I think of it as like programmable equity, right? So like when you raise capital and you give equity, it's just that and there's nothing else you can do with it. They just have a share, a piece of paper and like, that's it. But when you tokenize it, it's programmable and now you can do more things with it. You can have voting involved with it. You can have like access to things on the internet with it. You can then take those tokens and now give some out to the community or, you know, you can start to use it in your ecosystem of whatever the tech platform or whatever product it is that you're building, where it becomes more than just equity and it can morph into something else. Like what IMX did, IMX or Immutable, their token used to be just kind of like an, somewhat of an equity play. Now it's like fees for their platform out of nowhere. And now you can stake it and you can like do things with it. Right. So like, I think of it as like programmable equity where you can eventually do so much more with it. So again, it's 100x better innovation than the old school way, for sure. We, the type of token that you're talking about, though, is a fungible token where it feels like equity, right? It is very right. close to equity, right? It's right. not exactly equity. It's equity plus. Well, that's the thing. It's programmable equity. It's equity right. plus you can do so many other things with it, right? You could think of NFTs as being equity as well if it's set up that way right? It just depends on how you set up the token, but both fungible or non-fungible tokens, they're just wrappers for some sort of utility on the internet, right? Whether that is equity or not equity, it could be anything. Yeah. But with an NFT, at least the way it's been done so far as an NFT owner, I don't feel like I have equity in any of the businesses. That's because you don't. <laughs> exactly. Because I don't, right? You could, you could, but it's not the way that it's been done so far Whereas a fungible token feels much more like equity because you have ownership of really the token, which is the centerpiece of controlling that business. I would say there's also a lot of fungible tokens that don't do that either. True. <laughs> so, right. You got to, you got to really be careful, but let's, let's assume that both are acting in the way that they are giving equity. I see what you mean of fungible tokens just seem more on the equity side, though, like, I don't know if we want to get to the conversation of do you use NFT or do you use like fungible or non-fungible token yet, but like on the programmable side, I think there's more cooler things you can do. Well, different things I guess you could do with an NFT. Because like if I'm ever going to raise capital, I think I would use an NFT because one, I could limit the amount of people that have it and which kind of like a smaller subset of people but then I can put branding on it. To me, I think it's so smart. As much as I hate the whole craze of these 10K 
PFP NFT collections and stuff. Like I absolutely just, it boils my blood. I think it's mostly trash. I do think that if I was to raise capital from, I don't know, 500 people, a thousand people, I would create art around it and I would make an NFT and then they can now feel like they're a part of a community and like have branding that represents whatever the thing is, the businesses that I'm funding for. And like, they can now have it as their Twitter profile picture and stuff. And like that helps the branding of the business. It's a great idea. Again, it kind of goes further on the programmable equity, right? But now it's like branded, branded equity almost. You don't get that in the traditional world. Like I get a piece of paper that says I have Amazon stock. I'm not going to use that piece of paper on my Twitter profile to say, hey, I'm an investor <laughs> at Amazon. You know what I mean? But like Moonbirds, for example, you invest in equity, but let's say it was, you might put that Moonbird on your profile picture because you're part of something bigger, you know? And you mentioned one of the key reasons you did an NFT is because you can limit the number of people. Why would you want to limit the number of people? That's a good question. I actually don't know. I think that if I was to ever do funding for my company, I wouldn't do it to everyone for internet strangers, like you said. I wouldn't do it that way, uh, unless it was a DAO. But I think that's a different right. thing. If I was looking for funding, I'd want it to be more strategic. And I think I would like, I would private sale. It depends on the business and how much I'm trying to raise, but that's what I think I would do. And the main reason it sounds like is because you want to control who your investors are, basically, right? Because I'm guessing you want investors who can contribute to their, your business and exactly. give you advice and can be mentors. You don't want a bunch of internet strangers yelling at you in Discord being like, when airdrop, why is my floor so low? Right now, I would not do that. <laughs> I was going to say, unless it was a DAO where we're trying to make this like global thing and yes. have thousands of people a part of an organization, then I would definitely do it that way because that's the only way to really organize and structure that. Usually, if you're getting funding for a company, it's, I don't know, it's you and a couple people and you have this great idea and you want to just go execute. You don't want to deal with all the, the bullshit, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was going to say exactly what you just said about the DAO. I think it makes sense to fund with a token when you have, I hate to use this example, but like Epe makes sense to me to fund as a token because <laughs> it's a fucking yeah. joke. Great. Like you have a joke. You want to have fun. You have a group of people and you're just trying to have fun. That actually does make sure. sense to me. Tokenizing a community. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so like that makes sense to me because you don't really necessarily have an idea. You just want to bring a community together and create a way for you to coordinate. And you believe that people all around the world care about the same thing that you do, some green frog. And so, hey, let's all get behind this and, green frog and come together. And to add to that, even the LimeWare, LimeWare scenario where they're launching a token, same sort of a thing, and, but they have an idea and a business they're going to build and they want to build a platform. So they need funding. So like, go for it. That's a great idea too. It makes complete sense. One thing I think we should talk about, Jay, is for those that are investing in this stuff. So now that it is possible to raise capital from non-certified investors, what do you- Yeah, basically like you have to be a certified investor. Accredited in investor. Credit. Right? Yeah, you have to have like a million dollars or a hundred thousand dollars, something like that. I think it's a million dollars and over $200,000 of annual income. I think it's something, something like that, right? Like it's very restrictive, basically. It means the rich people are in it and everyone else is out. It's the exact same reason why we love real estate as tokenized real estate because Everyday people can't invest in real estate. You tokenize real estate. Everyday people can invest in it with much smaller amounts, $100, $10. Anyways. So now that you can, as a non-accredited investor, you want to put your five bucks into this Pepe company or whatever. Here's the thing that I think people need to understand that this has kind of changed the dynamics of investing. When anything can be tokenized, like what we're saying is you can start a business that is not yet even a business and you just tokenize it and you get a bunch of funding and it can be millions of dollars and you hope that that team actually executes and builds something. 
it's a seed raise, right? It's the same as in the traditional world where you have an idea and you go and pitch a bunch of VCs and they give you a seed raise. So they give you a bunch of money, take a percent of your company, and you don't even have anything to show for it yet. It's just an idea, but they trust you or they just want to put a bet on you. Now, most of those, 99% of those businesses, those endeavors don't work out. If you are investing in one of these things, there's a really good chance you're going to lose your money. So like, don't go and put all your money in LimeWire because it is one of these seed investments, right? And the only way that these VC firms make money on these seed investments is by investing in thousands of them. Over a couple year period, they have a fund where they raise capital, they invest in thousands of them, and then a couple of them become the next Uber and they make hundreds of millions off it. And that's how they make up for all the losses of those thousands that fail, right? I just think it's really, really important for people to understand that when you're putting your money in shit coins, we call them, tokens that don't represent anything yet, just an idea, 99% are going to fail. And so that means that you have to put money in a hundred of them to maybe make money on one of them, right? Maybe. <laughs> Most people listening are not putting their money in hundreds of these no tokens. I don't know. It's important for people to recognize that. It's the chances of you making any money on this stuff is pretty slim. You got to be careful. I love that you brought up the investor perspective. The analogy that I like to use is that investing in a token, whether it be NFT or fungible, is the equivalent of investing in a business at the start of the internet, an internet business at the start of the internet. And the only examples I would use now are the ones that made it, right? Head started off. Like you are putting your money into one company. I think a lot of people think that they're investing in NFTs or they're investing in Web3. They're investing in this concept because they're like, oh my gosh, everybody's talking about Web3 and NFTs. It's all going to go so well. From that perspective, there will be lots of businesses that fail, the same as there was at the start of the internet. Some made it and some failed. And so, Investing in one project, as you said, Kyle, it only works if you're going to invest in a hundred of them and hope that one to 10% work out, right? Is your range you're looking at. The alternative and why we believe so much in investing in the infrastructure layer of Web3, like the layer one or layer two blockchains or like Bitcoin is because those are much more as if you could have invested in like the internet at the start of the internet, right? Which wasn't possible. There was no internet company that you could invest. I guess AOL tried to be that when they tried to control the internet, but that was centralized. This concept of decentralized companies didn't exist. So that makes sense to me, which is why I always say, I wish I hadn't bought NFTs and I wish I had just kept all my money at ETH. But buying NFTs is fun. And as you said, Kai, this is why I think a lot of people will really do buy NFTs is because holding ETH is kind of boring for a lot of us, right? I know you love it, but it's true, <laughs> right? So a lot of people end up, okay, what can I buy that's more fun? Oh, I can buy this NFT. It's an image. It does something. It gets me access to community, whatever, blah, blah, blah. These things so, go up like 5 10% a day. How is that not fun? That's not enough? It also goes down 5 Fun. That's what I mean. So when you're talking fun, this shit's crazy already. Now people want to go even farther <laughs> down the risk curve. It's just mind-blowing to me. So here's our summary. Start a business by launching a token. It depends, but most likely, no, you should not. The only reason you should is if you want to build with a community, basically. And that's and a DAO wants to do that. You don't necessarily have to be a DAO to want to build with a community but you need to want to build with a community. It is not a consideration to be taken lightly. That is very different than building with a small team and a small number of investors and not having to deal with 
10,000 or 100,000 people on the internet yelling at you about their investment. So that's the first consideration. If you do a on token, should it be a NFT or a fungible? Well, that's another key consideration to make. And that depends upon really what you are trying to achieve. I think long-term NFT does have more potential. Right now, there's a simplicity to fungible that I like though, in that it's only monetary and governance and there's nothing else. NFT, I think we will see use cases where people do NFT, but right now it almost just seems too complex to me. Interesting. I would say that it's less complex. You don't have to worry about tokenomics. It's, On the fungible it, side, yeah, it's, it's true. It's a lot it's like unlocking and how much do you get yeah. here and splitting and is like, NFTs are just much more simple, I think, but yeah. I don't know. It depends. There's still tokenomics in NFTs. It's just very simple you're tokenomics, you're right? right? Yeah. Like your supply is is much simpler, but you got to think about rarity now and that impacts tokenomics and you got to think about anyways. No, so you don't have to think about rarity. That's just people who are making weird characters. You don't need any <laughs> rarity for an NFT. That's ridiculous. Uh, you could just have 10,000 of the exact same things and that's just people who hold a share in your company and that's it. You don't need any rarity. You don't need any traits. That's just for people playing with animals. If you want to add more complexity and more fun or whatever, like you can program those things in and that's where rarity traits make sense. But like you don't have to have any of that. Mm -hmm. That's irrelevant to funding a company. Mm -hmm. Final thing on the wrap is if you are raising capital, before you even decide if it's a token or not a token, you need to really decide if raising capital is the right thing for your business. And that is a key question, basically its own question to ask in the beginning. And I think you and I both believe that you should not raise capital at the beginning until you've achieved some form of product market fit. You've done market research, you understand your customer, you know what they want, and then go and raise capital. Unless you're trying to start the next Facebook. Also because you get one shot to launch token. And one thing you understand is like, sure, that token, you could think of it as raising funds. It's also like that steroid boost for growth or retention for like all, all these things around either your community, your business, whatever, right? If that token does well, you're going to win over a bunch of people, right? If the token does not do well, you're going to lose a bunch of people. And a bunch of people are going to think your project's a scam or it's shit or they lost money. And that that's a really bad branding for your company, right? And so you get one shot. And so in my opinion, it's like you want to build either a strong business or a strong community that like gets behind this thing before you go and launch it and then have a purpose for that token that you're launching and have a means to like make that thing actually have demand so that it doesn't just get inflated away or like go to zero, right? Because if you can do that, it's going to be one of the best marketing tools ever for your business. I think Arbitrum did an incredible job at they waited and they waited, they waited until they built this like really good product. It's been like tested and battle tested and they had a huge community and they rallied their community and they had all these DAOs and all these protocols building on top of their platform. So like they had product market fit and they had community and they had then they launched token, which just supercharged it. Right. And so it supercharged their community. It supercharged all of the businesses building on their platform. So network effects can really take off because every single user got money all of a sudden. So cool. And now a lot of people will just sell that and forget about it, whatever. But the amount of businesses building on that platform that also now got funding and can now use that token to fund whatever they're doing and fund hiring and all that stuff, like that just 
really boosted the network effects of Arbitrum itself. If Arbitrum launched a token way before, before no one was building on it, the benefit is actually quite limited. So they waited until that opportune moment. And also I think Arbitrum saw like, okay, we're going into probably a more bull run. The, the on-chain activity started to pick up. This is the chance to like light this thing on fire and go for it, right? So like they really had a lot of, I think, strategy around when they launched their token as well. And I think that's also really, really important to consider. <laughs> yeah. The thing is not everybody out there is trying to build Arbitrum. Building a blockchain, that is a different level of building a business. Even let's say you're building a media platform, you're a creator and you have, I don't know, an Instagram following or a newsletter or a podcast or any this kind of stuff. It's like you could launch a token in the very beginning and maybe you have a couple followers that, you know, invest in that, hold on to that, great. Or you could wait and if you have 50,000 followers or 100,000 followers and you invest it with more experiences around it and more utility for it, that token's probably going to do a lot more for you at that moment than it did back when you only had like 50 followers. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think there are more opportune times to be using this. Plus, also, you probably didn't need any funding if you only have 50 followers and you're yeah. just creating like a newsletter. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you need it. Well, the other interesting thing is like this conversation all revolved around a token being used to raise capital, but a token doesn't even need to be used to raise capital. You and I both believe that the use case that's really going to explode over the next two years is not the financial aspect of tokens, but rather the free tokens, tokens that are used for identity, tokens that are used for proving creator ownership, for loyalty, like all of these things. I don't want to talk about that. I bring that up only to mention all new tech is challenging because especially blockchain, it's so wide in its ability to be used. But people learn one thing and then they attribute that thing to that. Yes. Right. Which is why people have this like bad perception of NFTs because they're like, oh, it's a monkey. And then they just think all NFTs are now a monkey. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, it's not a monkey, <laughs> but it's many things and it can be many things, financial, non-financial. You can do a lot with it. All right. Let's wrap here. Final question to ask you, our listeners. We want to know if you think, will every business have a token in the future? And if you're listening on Spotify, scroll down and you can answer the poll, yes or no. And then I think what we might do, depending upon the answer, is we might debate that at a, a future debate because it's very interesting to think about, will all businesses have a token and how will they be used and what will that look like a decade from now? Guy, any final thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to answer the question if I think all this is I'm just kidding. Uh, no, we'll leave that one for the time. No. Wet the appetite. We're teasing. We're teasing here. All right. Thanks so much for listening in, everybody. Have yourself a great week. Make sure you check out the other podcasts this week. Make sure you check out Web3 Academy Pro if you're not already subscribed there. Thanks so much for your support. We love you guys. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to Web3 Academy. We hope this helps you along your Web3 journey. If it does, please share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss the next one. Nothing in this podcast was financial advice. Crypto and Web3 can be risky. You can literally lose it all. In fact, if you invest on account of what we say, you probably will lose it all. So don't do that. In all honesty, the point of this podcast is to remove the noise of markets and price and focus on utility and implementation anyway. So you should not take any of this as financial advice. Thank you, friends, and see you in the next one.